welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. It's Pentecost Sunday. Do you know that? It's our one day we get red. It's our one day. And they're beautiful. And I wish we could live in every day. But Pentecost Sunday is today. So what I want to do, I want to give you a brief history of Pentecost. And everyone said, yay, history. <laughs> and then we're going to read Acts 2, the focus passage. And then talk about what it meant then. And then we're going to talk about what it means now. And so, Pentecost. Have you heard this word? Do you know what it means? Or is it just the day that we wear red or show red? Pentecost originally meant 50th. I mean, that's what it means, 50th. Penta, you know, Pentagon, five sides, Pentecost. And it is one of three pilgrims, pilgrimages that for festivals that the Jewish people would celebrate, Pentecost, one of three. Sometimes it's called the Festival of Weeks. And that comes because it was originally dedicated in the time of the writing of the priests when they were really focused on ritual that there would be an event around the time of Passover. It's debated, but Passover. Seven weeks. And then the next day, the 50th day. Seven times seven, 49. The 50th day of Passover is on the Sabbath. That means Pentecost is on a Sunday. Yeah. It was also a festival where they celebrated the harvest. And so they would cut the first bit of wheat and they would bring the wheat and they would give thanks to God for the harvest because God has a lot to do with that. But they'd also ask God's blessing to be upon the harvest as it has just begun. They would bring the first fruits of the harvest as a sign of gratitude. They would make leavened bread with the wheat. They would feast and celebrate. It's one of those big festivals that you go to. You go to Jerusalem if you are a faithful Jew. It's also Pentecost is associated. It came a little later, but they look back and associate it with Moses on Mount Sinai. Because the original Passover came in Egypt, the final plague, the firstborn of Egypt were, were lost, were taken. But if you'd put the blood of the lamb on the door and the instructions of Moses, then that death would pass over your house. And they were let go. And they went into the wilderness to figure out who in the world they're going to be now. And then they come to the mount, mountain and Moses they say, on the 50th day, in midst of the smoke and the fire and the thunder and the great theophany of God's presence, went up the mountain, received the law, we call the Ten Commandments, came down and gave to the people. It's a big, it's a big wedding ceremony is what it is. God married the people. You are my people. I'm your God. Here's the covenant. Follow it. Be faithful to me and to me alone. Don't be adulterous. Be faithful, and I'll be faithful to you. So Pentecost is associated with this giving of the law as well. Oh man, what a great way to tell the story of what's about to happen to the church. Today we celebrate Pentecost. We call it the birthday of the church. So happy birthday. You say happy birthday to each other. Happy birthday. So how did we get from the festival of weeks to the celebration of harvest to the association with the memory of Mount Sinai with wind and fire and smoke and thunder? to the birthday of the church, because that doesn't quite look like what you might picture Moses seeing and associating with Pentecost. That's fun. I like that. 
So how did we get there? Well, great question. I'm so glad you asked. Remember that our Christian faith comes from the Jewish story. Jesus was Jewish, you know, a Jewish rabbi at that. He was completing the story told, the promises given, the covenant between the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, and God. And so the story of what Jesus is doing is best told through a Jewish lens. So Luke acts. It's one story. Did you know that? Same person wrote it. And if you think that's weird, I've never heard that, just go to the first few verses and you'll see it's written to the exact same person. And the language is all the same. They, they think that Luke basically fit on one scroll almost exactly. Acts, which is the exact same size, fit on another scroll. Otherwise, they'd have it on one giant scroll. You didn't want to get the scroll too big because that led to all sorts of trouble. So two stories, volume one and volume two. Some people refer to Luke as, we call it the gospel, the one gospel, according to Luke, the work of Jesus Christ. And then Acts is not the work of Jesus Christ, but the work of the people, of the church, through the Holy Spirit. So you could call them that, two-part story. It's our work. It's our work, still today. So we're in chapter two of the story today. Okay, so we're right at the beginning, almost right at the beginning. So far in the story, Jesus has ascended to God on the day of Easter. The disciples have replaced Judas with a man named Matthias by casting lots. Right? They even gambled back then. No, I'm kidding. They've been worshiping in the temple, and they've been waiting. Jesus had told them, John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit, and when it has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It starts very focused, Jerusalem. And then in the land of Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so they have sat for 50 days, waiting, wondering, contemplating this incredible charge that Jesus has given them to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some each some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of new wine. 
Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of God. Thanks be to God. A howling of a fierce wind from the sky above. The whole house, the whole house was filled. Not one corner was left unchanged. Individual flames of fire alighting on each one of the people. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says. And they were enabled to speak in foreign languages. Seeing as it was the festival of weeks, Jerusalem was filled with Jewish people from all around the empire. A lot of them had been dispersed through years of conflict. So there were people from all these different countries that had all gathered together for the festival of weeks because it's one of the three pilgrimage festivals, you know. God had a great strategy. Waited until all the people from across the ends of the earth connected to the story all came together in one place and then empowered the apostles to speak all the languages necessary for them to all hear the message. The response is mixed. Can you believe it? Some are amazed. Some jeer. Some are inquisitive and they wonder, what's this mean? What a great question. Some scoff and shout they're filled with new wine. I, one of my favorite lines in Acts is, it's only nine in the morning. If it were three, maybe I'd understand, but it's only nine. Oddly enough, the symbol of new wine is quite appropriate. Something had arrived in this coming power. And it was simply not going to fit into the old manners of thinking. As Jesus said, new wine requires new wine skins. Skins that are ready to stretch and move, be shaped by the wine. The inquisitive section is on the right track. This crowd, what does it mean? Peter tells them, and he quotes Hebrew scripture. Joel's prophecy, an amazing proclamation from hundreds of years before that says that the work of God is going to be for all people. And Joel says, sons and daughters, young and old, men and women, least and greatest. Peter proclaims the great and spectacular day of the Lord is coming. It's begun. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, it says in our translation. You can read that healed, restored, renewed, made whole, complete. And those with ears to hear this truth, they heard it and they wondered. 
About 3,000 people were baptized that day, the story goes on to say. 3,000. Maybe that's Methodist math. It says about 3,000. I'm just going to say 3,000. 12 became 3,000 on the first day of the new age of God, in the first hour of the reception of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've heard this story so many times, I think it's lost its power in us sometimes. 3,000 from 12 in an hour's work. If I even said to you, go out and take the message to the end of the earth, and you walked out and 250 times the size crowd that's sitting here today heard the message and accepted, would we even believe it's possible? Or would you think I'm full of new wine? It's only 9.50 in the morning. But here we are today, against all odds, celebrating our birthday. Thanks be to God for all that has been done by so many that have trusted in the work that have accepted the power. We speak a language right now that wasn't even spoken then, and somehow it's made its way here across the world. It's amazing. And what better way to celebrate your birthday than to tell the story again? All the different groups came together, and they're going to go on to be all these different groups, Jew and Gentile, these converts, these Jewish followers that say yes to the following of a Jewish rabbi named Jesus. And although they disagreed, that group of however many were there in Jerusalem that day, they disagreed about a lot. Okay, there were lots of different Jewish groups. You heard of the Pharisees, heard of the Sadducees, right? There are many more. Can you believe they all thought different things? They didn't agree. Some of them didn't believe in resurrection, others did. There was that stark a difference between the people that called themselves part of the Jewish faith. Yet they all came together to celebrate, and somehow they all accepted the message. The Holy Spirit is quite miraculous. Amen? Amen. To bridge that kind of divide? Now, we know the difficulty that disagreement brings on groups of people, especially when there's 7 billion people sharing the earth, everyone thinking they're more important than the next. Even in our own country, there's disagreement that brings divide. It works against unity. Amen? In our own state, it's present. Amen? In our own county, in our own community, in our own circle of friends, in our family, in our church, it exists. It's heartbreaking when we think about it. But God is so good. God is so clever. God took some hillbilly Galileans Gave him a little power, and look what happened. Jesus had called a bunch of non-qualified people to follow him. Now, if you don't know the area, the Galileans were kind of the hillbillies. They were. You know, there are certain accents in our country that you might dismiss over other certain accents. Amen? That's, that's true in every country. In England, if you go to England, you don't want to talk like the Welsh, right? You don't want, to, you don't want that dialect. We probably couldn't even tell the difference. They can and we do it here too. We discount people on the way they talk. And they did then too. Aren't these a bunch of Galileans? Their accent came through. Even speaking these other languages, they could tell where they were from. And it made them go, I don't know about this. How are we hearing our language from a bunch of lowly, hillbilly, no good Galileans? God seemingly always uses the most unlikely sources for the greatest spectacles of power. Amen? So here we are today, the church, 
the big C church as much as we're the little C church. We are each one of us in a different kind of world in our life. Different people, different places, different opportunities. We cross paths on Sunday and what a joy it is, but we go lots of different directions. We've all been called into this world of baptism by the Holy Spirit, all of us, every person. We've all been called to take this incredible message of God's healing, restoration, reconciliation to our worlds. To every person in our life. And many of us have said yes. What a joy. But it's tough to be a Christian today. Amen? While we know the truth about the world out there, that we know every single person is beloved by God and invited by God. Amen? We know that God never called us to uniformity, but unity. Amen? We know that the day of the Lord is coming when all will be made right. Amen? Amen? Getting a little worried here. We know that we can rest assured in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That nothing can change any of this. Amen? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? But it's still hard because we're confronted with powers that give us another message. They say that some people are worth more than others. That we all must agree on everything to truly be Christians. That God will destroy and torture those who don't say the right things. That we must wield earthly powers in such a way that oppresses others and forces others to do what we think they should do. That love means we can hate and exclude each other and keep each other at arm's distance. Not see each other's stories and trust each other's word. That the news networks deserve the right to dictate our emotions and allegiance. That we are to be in fear of that that's different. Yeah, it can be hard to be a Christian in this world. Absolutely. The story of the church is not easy. It never has been. You know what the word witness is in Greek? Martyr. Those apostles, they took a chance when they left the house that day. They left the house. They'd been behind those closed doors for 50 days, hiding, worshiping, wondering. And the Israelites, way back in the day of Moses, Moses went up the mountain and was up there for 40 days. And you know what? They got sick of waiting, and they wondered if he was ever coming back to the point where they created an idol and started worshiping in a whole new way. God didn't like it. <laughs> but 40 days. We don't like to wait 20 minutes on the phone, amen? 50 days the disciples were waiting. They might have started making other plans, wondering, well, how long do we wait? But then here comes the power. They opened those doors on that Pentecost Sunday. They crossed the threshold. They took the risk. They let the truth that they contained pour out of them. And 3,000 would-be scoffers believed and received that power before their eyes. Not everyone there believed. Many doubted because this world's tough for all of us. Some people, they have their fingers in their ear. Some people have so much pain and fear that they don't know how to hear. And it's as simple as that. They don't know how. They would if they could. No one's healing is ever out of reach of God. We have faith in a God who is relentless 
and pursuit of each and every one of us and each and every one of everyone out in the world whoever has lived has been pursued by God. We don't lose heart when there's resistance. We hope and we pray and we trust. Despite the doubters on Pentecost, the story did not stop. The disciples witnessed the truth. They witnessed this truth that they knew in ways they never expected in languages they didn't even know. They witnessed it. They saw it. Now imagine the newfound confidence in those 12 the next day. You think they slowed down or wavered anymore after seeing what happened on Pentecost Sunday? Or do you think that they were ready to go to see what God was going to do next? They became unstoppable. The fear and the doubt, they held no power over them anymore. Doesn't that sound nice? Because another power had come. So from that day onward, they went in different directions, on their own, carrying the same message, telling it in a variety of ways. They faced a tough world. Every one of them faced a tough world, but they were not alone. The apostles had no idea of the power coming the day of Pentecost. The world has no idea what power resides in this room, and maybe we don't either. The world changed through those 12. Our world changed. And now it's our turn. The world around us has no idea of the power that is made accessible to them and to us. They may have heard the name Jesus or Christian before, but they might have heard those names in such a way that it was work of destruction, not of healing and restoration. The church has repenting to do. Amen? There is pain and hurt we are called to undo. But right now, you might already be telling yourself, well, I'm not an apostle. I'm too old. I'm too young. They were different. I'm not a Bible expert. I don't even know where to begin. I'm not a pastor. That's the pastor's job. Well, they weren't any of these things either, these Galilean hillbilly misfit disciples. But they knew that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God ignites our hearts and empowers us to go and do and say and be anything we need to say or do or be to everyone in your world where you already tread. There are people that need this message and I urge you to simply respond thinking about the power, maybe the spark you're feeling in you right now and you're wondering, is this the spirit? Is this real? Is Joe full of new wine or is he telling something maybe I need to listen to? What does it mean? Trust, my friends, in the exact same Holy Spirit that was at work the first day of Pentecost to be at work in you this day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit's available to you right now. So tell your story, witness to the wider world the truth that every single person is beloved by God. Amen? That God never called us to uniformity, but unity. Amen? The day of the Lord is coming when all will be made right. Amen? That we rest assured in the name of Jesus Christ that nothing can change any of this and that nothing can separate us from God's great love. Witness to this truth and what it means to you in your world and watch what God does next. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. 
and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.